Today we are making the commitment that by 2030, Microsoft will be carbon negative. We are going to approach sustainability differently at Amazon. BP's mission is really clear. We will remove from the environment. We as a technology company are going it's to, to meet the energy needs of the world whilst reducing our carbon emissions. All of the carbon we have our emitted scale, directly or by our consumptions since our company's founding in 1975. Play on sustainability issues. In this episode, can we trust the promises of big business to meet sustainability targets? What's genuine and what's just a bit of greenwashing? You're listening to Think Sustainability. I'm Julia Karkatzel. As we confront one of the biggest challenges of the 21st century, the climate crisis, people around the world are becoming increasingly frustrated with the lack of guidance from governments, leading some to seek solutions elsewhere. Big business has been hailed both the most obvious obstacle and obvious opportunity for saving the environment. Many businesses have already stepped up to the plate. The company responsible for our first ever household computer, Microsoft, has pledged to be carbon negative by 2030. Bill Gates's tech empire will strive to not only remove the carbon dioxide it emits into the atmosphere, but wipe the company's entire carbon output, backtrack to its birth in 1975. Microsoft says it will do this by implementing carbon removal technologies like carbon capture and storage. The billionaire behind the company we turn to for virtually any good or service imaginable, Jeff Bezos is putting forward 15 billion Australian dollars to fight climate change. The Amazon boss says the company will use all renewable electricity by 2030. But are these promises genuine? Our producer Marlene set out for answers. All right, so let's start off by asking... She spoke to UTS Business School professor Peter Fleming. And as you may tell, I've got a bit of an English twang because I spent a lot of time in England, but it's good to be back in Australia. It's fair to say that green is a really trendy word in the market we hear. Green, eco-friendly, all these kind of buzzwords a lot in marketing. Why are companies drawn to show themselves as eco-friendly? Well, it's because um, it's a controversial issue today and public awareness is very high around it. Um, very emotionally charged issue given um, the, the, the warnings, the stark warnings we're getting from scientists on, the, on these topics. Organisations inevitably are drawn to giving a positive uh, message to consumers to try and generate some awareness that shows them being very active in this regard. Businesses are responsible for an overwhelming amount of greenhouse gas emissions. The Carbon Majors report released a few years ago named just 100 companies as solely responsible for 70% of the world's carbon emissions since 1988. Multinational oil and gas company BP is one of them. The company is one of the latest to join the green movement, setting an ambition to be net zero by 2050. But Peter says he is sceptical. There are definitely firms that are genuinely and authentically um, involved in various types of products and services that are environmentally friendly or even, you know, either neutral 
carbon neutral or actually doing some good in that, in, along those uh, measures. But, uh, you know, marketing a uh, firm in a particular way can slowly slide into greenwashing when it is exaggerated, um, when it is perhaps blown out of proportion to what is really going on. Um, and when it's just designed to generate uh, positive attributes and positive perceptions of the organisation that may not necessarily be warranted. This is what's called greenwashing. Greenwashing is a negative term, uh, generally, uh, used to show how firms take on a visibility in terms of environmental issues and climate change and what have you, um, either through um adverts or branding and so forth, but really are just using that to kind of cover up their business model, which is pretty much the same as it would have been without any of the greenwashing. So why would a company put up a smokescreen of sorts without any intent to follow through? So it's designed to get a little bit of a kudos in terms of marketing, brand awareness uh, for large firms, particularly the uh, controversial uh, firms in controversial industries. Um, oil and gas is a good example here. While some companies may be making a difference, filling the gaps where the government is not, others are using smoke screens, preoccupied with brand awareness and followers. What regulation is there, if any? Who holds these companies to account? I still believe that the biggest danger is not in action. The real danger is when politicians and CEOs are making it look like real action is happening when, in fact, almost nothing is being done apart from clever accounting and creative PR. There are various frameworks designed to regulate and monitor commitments set out by companies. One such framework is Corporate Social Responsibility, or CSR, a whole set of policies organisations can adopt to prove they're trying to do good as they pursue profit. This can be shown to relevant stakeholders, government regulators, consumers or workers. The idea is that organisations try and, particularly for-profit organisations, try and build some sort of sustainability and social environmental sustainability into their business model, just not burn and churn everything around them. But Peter says even these frameworks are being used as a sort of marketing tool. It has also been argued that corporate social responsibility is something of a smokescreen, that once again it is used to market an image that may not necessarily be um, telling of the essential business model in place. So, for example, you see a lot of corporate social responsibility, a lot of um, airtime given to CSR in uh, the most controversial industries, um, whereas organisations who have nothing to hide tend not need to want a corporate social responsibility program. So that again, we get into tricky tricky areas there when large oil firms, for example, are talking about how um, they are based upon a sustainable business model, which is clearly outlandish and, um, and, and, and far away from the truth. It certainly makes you raise an eyebrow when you get these companies that make these promises 
um, about sustainability, but then on the other side, the other practices that they do are, in fact, damaging to the environment. Yeah, so there's been various studies that have shown, you know, the organisations that invest the most in CSR are the ones that are doing the most damage. Um, tobacco companies are a great example who have huge and elaborate and colourful and very, very plush CSR policies. Just check out um, one of the big players' uh, uh, websites and you'll see what I mean. They are really kind of investing heavily in this. And Peter suspects the model isn't fooling anyone, from the consumer on the street to the CSR officers themselves. And it's interesting because CSR has been around for a while and it's been critiqued a lot. And I'm not too sure many people, you know, uh, uh, on the street really buy it anyway. So make sure what the cynicism runs very, very deep. Is, and I think what, what I'm saying here is not controversial. We go out onto the street, you ask the typical person, they probably say exactly the same. So it's interesting, to, it's interesting that it kind of continues and a lot of the money is spent on it. Um, and they're keeping up appearances, but no one really believes it, least of all the CSR officers that are designing these programs, I, I suspect. CSR has been around for about 40 years, and Peter says things are worse now than they once were. When it comes to greenwashing, and it's difficult to really figure out when genuine marketing shifts into, you know, that blurry that blurry line shifting into kind of misleading marketing. It's difficult to see that line and therefore I think that accountability is very, very difficult to um, police or maintain if that information isn't always clear. Um, if you're reliant on the organisation to provide its own information as well. And this is why I think that when it comes down to it, and if we're really truly interested in sustainability and we're truly interested in, you know, uh, reducing uh, carbon emissions and so on, then CSR really isn't really isn't really going to do the trick. Yet another universally accepted indicator of a company's success in terms of sustainability is the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. The metric is considered to be the gold standard for corporate sustainability. Earning a name in the ranks of such companies is great publicity. But even that isn't the most bulletproof measurement. In 2018, Enviro organisation Friends of the Earth accused investors behind the Dow Jones Sustainability Index of greenwashing. They criticised the index for including a palm oil company in its annual list of top sustainable companies. The oil company was found to be supporting widespread deforestation, land grabbing and other violations of sustainability principles. But while regulatory bodies or measurements like CSR or the Dow Jones Sustainability Index may fail to be 100% accurate, Peter says they form an important part of the puzzle. If a firm kind of presents and publicises its ethics around sustainability, at least it can be held accountable to those when things go wrong. Um, and that, that's better than nothing. Um, rather than just having the brutal, brute kind of economic mechanism kind of churning away without any standards or um, kind of um, intimations towards social and environmental sustainability. But I think looking in the future, and I think this is where the, this is the juncture where, at, where we're at at the moment around the world, is that 
you know, most of the things that have been tried, be it carbon trading, be it um, CSR, be it sustainability policies, aren't really enough. Um, and they're not really, no one's really willing to bite the bullet and to do what's necessary. And so people are really kind of pushing, I think we're seeing this mass movement, you know, um, that um, people are asking for more. Consumers are watching more than ever before. Dave Moffat works at Landor. So um, we're a branding consultancy. So we we build and um, and reposition, inspire our new brands. She says consumers are demanding sustainability. Consumers increasingly are expecting to see impactful change, from especially the big corporations, and and relatively um, immediate. You know, we we see a lot of big promises, 10-year visions, by this time we will, uh, they want more than that, they want immediate um, outcomes. Measurements like CSR are based on consumer wants. There was a lot of research looking at millennials, for example, and that suggested that millennials were not willing to forego their internal ethics to work for an organisation. And hence why a lot of organisations were kind of building corporate social responsibility into their recruitment plans because they were worried about how they make recruit from the biggest pool of um, eligible applicants. More and more uh, potentially employees are looking to work for brands that uh, seem to be good corporates and social citizens. The days of it being just a nice of a nice to have something uh, sort of philanthropic to add to your brand strategy as a tack on are well gone. Consumers just really want transparent um, and transparency and clarity around the topic. So they want to know, um, they want to be informed so that they can then make their own empowered choices, particularly the younger millennial or younger than me cohort, but certainly not exclusively. We're seeing this as a trend across all generations. I think people are more informed now. They're more cynical. And therefore, I would suspect that organisations are going to be a little bit more cautious about what they claim they do and don't do. You know, um, no one wants a major scandal on their hands. So what organisations claim they do and don't do, I think is going to be monitored just a little bit more than it has been in the, in the past. Even if businesses do commit to their sustainability targets, are they doing enough? And the industries that really matter, you know, the industries that are at the heart of where, where the real damage is being done in terms of sustainability. We're looking at oil and gas. We're looking at, um, you know, um, the automobile industry. We're looking at um, a whole set, you know, factories and so forth, uh, processing plants. You know, they are still basically at heart built upon a model that is unsustainable. The global economy is very destructive, very unsustainable, and even though we can find many, many isolated cases of organisations that are being very proactive in this regard, as a whole, the system is obviously telling us, you know, the environment's telling us it's not working for it. Extinctions, climate change, awful, awful fires we had during the summer here in Australia, that seems to me to be a kind of a clear signal that the system as a whole, and I think we need to look at it holistically to a certain extent, is not working. Peter says making sustainability pledges is easier than actually changing what may be causing the most damage, 
the business model itself. Why do firms spend so much money on it? Because it's cheaper than the alternative. The alternative would be to reconfigure their business model into a truly sustainable um, enterprise. And for that to happen in a, at a sector and an industry and at a global economy level, you wouldn't really have capitalism anymore. That scares the, the shareholders and that scares the CEOs in the boardroom and it scares the executives and so forth. And so it's easier to throw out this kind of um, charade um, that um, makes it look as if, even though no one believes in it, of course, but it's easier to do that and cheaper to do that rather than to really engage in thinking about how their business could be done differently. And of course, there is a growing number of firms now in the era of Trump in which they don't even bother. Yeah, we destroy the environment. So what? Our investors still invest. Our shareholders are happy when they get their return. And the consumer still buys our products. So why even bother telling people otherwise? So how else do we regulate business if the current system isn't working? I think we need strong democratic governments to regulate um, certain industries that are problematic. So I think it has to be very grassroots and it has to be a democratic process. I think that there needs to be a whole set of stakeholders, interested stakeholders who have some sort of say in the way in which these organisations run. At the moment, you know, they pretty much operate uh, with impunity. You know, it's something businesses like to be like to hear. You know, they are the solution. You know, Microsoft is the solution. BP is the solution. Um, and uh, global shipping, it's the solution rather than the problem. So I'm not too sure about that. Um, I have to say that the idea of calling on a transnational corporation as a saviour of the environmental problem just doesn't really sit well with me. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Sustainability wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Karkatzel. Thanks for your company. <laughs>